Our scripture text this evening will be from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful uh, for the blessing and the privilege of beginning this Lord's Day with your word, with uh, the service, praise to you and also to end it by hearing your word and giving you praise for that, and how desperately we are in need of your word. It is a light um, for in our lives, a, a, a lamp on our pathway, and the only truth that we have in this world, and it points us, and it, it explains us, and it, it tells us about our salvation in Jesus Christ. And we ask now that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see these wonderful truths in your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure most of you, not all, know the very popular hymn by John Newton, Amazing Grace, which can be considered as some sort of biography of his life. Um, He was a man full of sin and, and he transgressed every law. He was known for his rebellious character and unsettled behavior. He was um, a captain of a slave ship. He had no regard for the human life. And his life, the way he conducted his life, spoke volumes about who he is and that he indeed was a sinner. But this was just the first half of his life. And when God saved him, by his grace, his life changed. And he lived and he walked And his life pointed to God who saved him. And this is where, when he wrote Amazing Grace, describing this this, um, life of a Christian, first being a sinner, then saved by grace and, and walking before the Lord. And this can be said about every Christian, about every saint. This is true about every one of us. And this is also what the text we have before us today speaks about about us as apart from Christ and then how Christ saved us and we now can walk before him. And this is how we're going to look at the text, What first what God saved us from and then second what God saved us by and, and lastly what God saved us to. And so Paul starts this passage explaining what God saved us from and he starts this passage with a description of the human condition 
outside of Christ. We have here a divine assessment. Often when we go to a job interview and they ask us, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? We can um, sometimes be a little vague or, or can negotiate. Even with our wives, we sometimes argue that I have improved here and there. Um, but this here is a divine assessment. Paul is saying what God, how God sees us outside of Christ. And he starts with a very grim verdict. He says, we were dead. There's no negotiation about that. Not, not sick, not struggling, but dead. And that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So Paul is painting in the following verses uh, that follow verse 1, a vivid picture of what that looked like. And he be begins by saying that we walked and followed a specific course. We weren't just that, not doing anything, but we were, in a, in a very sense, walking that. And we, we walked according to the ruler of this realm. It was simply in accordance with Satan. Walking in the, in the ancient time, back in the days, was a very important term. They, they would walk most of the time from A to B. And it, 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 it is like we saying today, how does he tick? What is he like? This is, the, this is the description they would use back in the days. They would say, how, did he, how, was, how is his walk? We, we say that sometimes. How is his walk? And to say we walked according to the ruler of the realm is saying we conducted our life according to Satan. The Bible says, Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, they walked with God. And Enoch walked with God. Even Noah, in the midst of, of the evil that was surrounding him, he walked with God. He was obedient to God and, and walked in his, in his laws. It is an expression that describes the way one conducts his life. And, and here he says, we walked according to, the, to this course, according to the to Satan. Hence this description is, is very severe. According we were we were walking according to the commands of the devil. But Paul continues and he says it was not only according in accordance to, to the devil and Satan, it was in accordance with our own desires. We lived in the passions of our of our flesh. You see, it was not that we were forced to follow the world. The, the evil master did not chain us up and, and drag us kicking and screaming. It says here it was the desire of our flesh. It was something that we desired willingly to do so, not inadvertently. I always tell the story here about my wife and I on a Saturday morning. Both of, both of us wanted to sleep in, but the kids were already already up and so how do you decide who gets up and takes care of them and so we started to push each other from from the bed and the one who falls off first is is up and so she grabbed my arm and 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 she slipped and her finger went right into my eye and she scratched the surface of my eye that was it was so painful and she felt so bad because it was inadvertently she didn't mean to and for the next couple of days she would do everything to make it make it up for me and uh, for sometimes I would pretend that it still hurt 
But this is what Paul is saying here is that this is not how we lived. He's saying it was not inadvertently. It was with a high hand. We were, we were prisoners and slaves to an evil master and we didn't even want to escape. Much like the Stockholm Syndrome. You could release our shackles and, and, and we would stay and enjoy our slavery. Have you ever seen a, a, a man addicted to a certain substance? He does everything in order to satisfy his desires and, and he sells his stuff, he, he steals and he lies and, and he, so that he can get what he, what he wants and, and he, ultimately it will destroy him. But there's nothing he can do about it. He's so, so bound to his sinful passions. This is what Paul describes here, but it, it gets even worse. He says, we were by nature children of wrath. And this is really the key. We, by nature, children of wrath. wrath. There's, there's nothing you can do about your nature. It is how you are born. And, and Paul includes himself, this, this noble Jew and Roman citizen. Everything He accomplished everything you can think of, but he says, by being a Jew, by nature, doesn't give you escape from being like the Gentiles, children of wrath, slave or free, rich or poor, woman or man. You are by nature an object of God's wrath because of your transgressions and sins. And there's no escape from our nature. Have you ever seen, and I'm sure you have, there's the scene in the, in the movie Lord of the Rings where an orc is being born and, and he, he makes his way out of this slimy gross shell and, and another little orc is helping him out and as soon as he gets out he grabs this helping orc and kills him. Pure evil. He's evil right from the get-go. Some, some theologians said if babies were strong enough they would be all killers and thieves. You know, you don't have to teach them how to scratch and lie and push each other in order to get what they want. And this is what we call original sin. This is what Paul addresses here. We come into this world with a corrupt, sinful nature. And why is Paul describing us so severely and so de detailed? It is, it is so important that we remember what we wear and from from what God saved us. And, and Paul is making it make, make sure that we have a clear understanding of that. If you have a shallow picture of sin, you will have a shallow picture of grace. And this is why he, he gives us this profound description of our condition. And if you would look at this text in the Greek, those words are very lengthy words. And someone would read it out loud to the church in, in, in Ephesus. And can you imagine the tension in that room when he, he describes them and he says, Without resolution so far, children of wrath, slaves of our flesh, slaves of Satan, walking according to sin, spiritually dead, and under the righteous wrath of God. Can you, can you see how they... Um, bow their heads and, and are ashamed. If you grasp this, you understand the necessity of grace. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing 
you, you can do an even even if so you don't even want to but then we read in verse 4 but God this is the, the transition but God like like a lightning bolt piercing through the dark night which is our utterly hopeless condition but God and, and Martin Lloyd-Jones he in his famous sermon on these two words, he said, those are the most important words in the entire Bible. If it weren't for God, we, was, we would be still in that condition. And, and while the first three verses are lengthy and would have been read out very slowly, the ver- verse 4 is a quick transition. But God, powerful transition. God intervened and he saved us. And even though this is so clear in this text, so straightforward, we often hear people saying something more like, but I, or but God and I. But what Paul is saying here is abundantly clear. It is is God alone. You were dead, but God made you alive. Paul gives us here also the reason why it is because of great, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses. The reason is not found in us. It is his love. It is in him. And it is not little love. It is great love. As we think about our hopeless condition, we, we realize great love was necessary. We were dead and trapped in a coffin on the way to eternal damnation. But God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, and he went into the grave. He, he broke our chains, he took our corpse, and he breathed life in us. How, how did he do that? He sent his Son, who walked, not according to this course of this life, not according to Satan, but according to God's will, according to God's law. And he walked a perfect life. And yet... He had to take the wrath of God and and for all, for us he went and took the wrath of God upon himself. He died on the cross, but he triumphant. And Paul says, This is this is yours. This is if you trust in Jesus Christ, then his life is your life. His merits are your merits, his righteousness is is your righteousness imputed to you by grace through faith. And and as a believing Christian, God looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees his very own child. And the, the Heidelberg Catechism is exactly right when it says, God has granted forgiveness and salvation out of mere grace only for the sake of Christ's merit. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. It is by sheer grace on the merits of Jesus Christ. And it says here he's rich in mercy, immeasurable riches of grace. And in fact, this is not because of us, but in spite of us, despite of our trespass. And Paul says it is by grace that you have been saved. John Owen said the only thing you contributed to your salvation was the sin that made it necessary. 
beloved God gave us in Christ Jesus a new inheritance. We are no longer those children of wrath described in here in the first verses. We are adopted into his family, enjoying every blessing in Christ. He, he made us, look at the text, he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. What's described here is our, our union with Christ, this marvelous mystical union with Christ. We are, we are citizens already of the heavenly spheres. This is the, the, the great blessing, the great benefits that we have in Christ. And, and you die and you are immediately, your soul will be with Jesus Christ in heaven. In verse 7, he describes this practice, that he describes this, um, what we will do in eternity, praising Christ and his, the immeasurable riches of his great, uh, grace in, in kindness towards in, in Jesus Christ. In, in, in the um, ancient times, it was a common practice for pagans whenever they um, won a battle to to give to to put trophies or statues and dedicate it to the gods in, in in those temples and you would walk into a temple and there were several it was like a museum several trophies and statues um, pointing to the victories. Paul is saying here that to all eternity there will be one prized possession and that is his church that he purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we will see the church and we will praise Jesus Christ for his immeasurable grace. The church will be the trophy of battle on display in the ages to come. So Paul says it was by grace that we've been saved. But he doesn't stop here and, and this brings us to our last point. Paul concludes this passage by explaining what we have been saved to. You see, this passage is, is divided into three parts. Guilt, our sin, grace, God's intervention, and gratitude, our response. Paul teaches us here that God's saving grace is an all-in-one package. He didn't give us faith and, and now leaves us on our own and, and, and looks and, and waits what we do. Rather, he gives us faith that enables us to walk in fellowship with him. And he says, it's not something that you can earn, but was given to you by grace. And therefore, you can now, in light of this, start to walk in gratitude. And Paul makes it crystal clear and repeats it several times. By grace, by grace, not so that someone can boast. There's no one who will be able to look at an unbeliever and say, I made the difference. It is a gift of God, even faith, which is the instrument through which we receive the grace, is a gift of God. My, my brother, he used to buy himself a gift for Christmas and, and wrap it up in wrapping paper and place it on the Christmas tree and then pretend as if somebody gave him a gift. Uh, that is often how so-called Christian um, see salvation. 
Paul is saying it was a gift from God because of his love for us, not because we earned it. And a gift, the, the dictionary tells us, is, is something handed over gratuitously for nothing. But there is some expectation, right? Even in the industry today, as a salesman, you sometimes gift your clients and you expect something in return. In, in the and, and, antiquity, a, a gift was meant to create a social solidarity. And, and God gave us this gift also of salvation so that we can, can walk before him, that we can be grat, great, um, grateful and thankful and, and be able to do good works. And you may notice this passage ends with the same verb as it began, walking. We once walked according to this world, but not anymore. Now we, will, now we are walking like Enoch and Noah. Now we can walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Now we can obey his, his commands and, and love his commands. We can walk with God and in union with Christ. We are, we are a new creation in Jesus Christ because he saved us. And there's really no illustration that can make this or demonstrate this great love of Jesus. Often we, we hear of soldiers that sacrifice their lives so that um, his fellow soldiers might continue to live. And those surviving soldiers are beyond grateful for the sacrifice. Nobody would say, I, would, I couldn't care less. No, they, they are grateful for that. But, but this image breaks down because they live in the first place and they can continue to live. The difference is we were dead and we were by nature children of wrath and Christ gave himself so that we can have life now. What a great love. How much more thankful do we need to be for this? Let me ask you, do you walk in such a way that makes people wonder about God who has saved you from death to life? Do you know his love? Do you have experienced your sinfulness and hopelessness and if not, the Bible calls you to repentance. You need Christ as your Savior, or you will stand before God without a mediator. But for us who have experienced this great love, let us be reminded again from what God has saved us, the hopeless condition we were in, and his wonderful love, his, his precious grace, and, and now we, we are able to walk before him. Like John Newton walking before God, pleasing God, who saved us from death, from eternal condemnation. And we have saved two good, good works. We, we can now live, we were meant to live before the fall. That was always God's intention to enjoy him and to glorify him with our life. And so let us continue to walk accordingly to that and in gratitude for his great love toward us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, that it was the wrath that was meant for us came upon him, and that his righteousness is imputed to us. 
that he became sin who knew no sin, that, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Father, in light of that, in light of your precious, immeasurable riches of grace, let us walk in gratitude, knowing that our righteousness is in Jesus Christ outside of us, safe in heaven. But our walk here before you is a pleasant life for you, is a pleasant fragrance. Let us grow in our sanctification and bring glory to your name and, and live and walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.